0: So I have to first take responsibility for the numbering of that paper, which I stole fair and square from the internet, and I didn't like all the other ones. So just so you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. Okay, you're probably wondering about these rubber bands, okay. Um, who didn't notice the numbering, by the way? Anybody? Okay, just Jennifer. Okay. Um, so. The rubber bands are are obviously kind of the symbol of resilience, right? You can pull them and they go back the, to the same uh, the same shape they were. I would like to give you permission to play with them. To if you're going to shoot them, please don't aim at any, you know, drinks or anything. You know, feel free to you know do whatever you want with the um, rubber bands within reason. Okay, so um, we can go ahead to the. First, no, uh, the, the, the one before that. Is there, one, is there a title one? Well, oh, okay, yeah, that's it. So, Living in Compassionate Resilience um, and Introducing the Three Healing Friends. We got a lot to get through tonight, so kind of buckle up or, you know, get your rubber band going. Um, and um, for me, the, uh, my introduction to an interest in resilience Started when I was a teenager. Um, I grew up overseas. I was a Mish kid in Lebanon, and I grew up during a fair number of the years of the Lebanese civil war. And um, one of the questions we used to ask was, you know, why do some people, you know, leave in the middle of a war? You might think that's just a sort of a dumb question, but we did ask that question: Why, do, why do people leave if they can, and why do some people stay? And why are some people so terrified and undone? And why do some people seem to sort of just not be affected by it? So that was one of the things that w- that's, that's in my background. Um, many, many years later, uh, I, I was in chaplain residency in Chicago at a level one trauma center that also had a children's hospital, so I did a lot of, lot of trauma work during those years, and uh, during my, uh, my final residency, my project was about resilience. Because as much as I know about trauma, and in the intervening years, there have been a number of, of traumas that I've gone through in my life. Um, as much as I know about trauma, really what I'm interested in is, is resilience. How do we, as women of God, blessed by him, called by him? How do we grow in resilience? How do we become more us the way God created us to be? So um, that's where I got the interest in living in compassionate resilience. The whole thing has grown kind of out of control, so here we go. Um, Resilience. The human capacity for standing up under crushing blows is well-documented. And it's one of the miraculous gifts of God to his beloved humanity. Given the opportunity, people who have suffered devastating life events are able to heal, to forgive, and even to thrive. This is resilience lived out. So let's have a definition of resilience. Uh, The ability to recover quickly from difficulties and to thrive in stressful conditions. The ability of a substance or an object to spring back into shape, elasticity. Here's some synonyms. Flexibility, pliability, suppleness. I always want to be supple, right? You know, I don't know. (laughs) Um, uh, Springiness, like Tigger, I guess. I don't know. So like everything else that matters in life, resilience is complex. Are some people more naturally resilient? Do some people just, they just handle things better. I don't know. And the answer is yes. In fact, some people are more naturally resilient. They have some kind of creativity, some kind of uh, uh, ability to reframe the events in in their lives and to think outside the box that it lets them handle some of the stresses, some of the difficulties, and some of the traumas a little better than most of the rest of us. Does our environment, our childhood, our life experience ex- uh, uh, affect our resilience? Yes, absolutely. Some people have had more and extended trauma. Um, here are some things that, that affect um, resilience as an outcome. Uh, If you have had the unconditional acceptance of one person in your life, you are a more resilient person. It's a a factor of how resilient are you. you. Did you have secure attachment as a baby? How much trauma have you experienced for how long? The role of the community. Do you have a supportive community? Resilient persons, families, and organizations continue to grow under stress because they are deeply rooted in life-giving relationships. So, some people are more naturally resilient. Some people um, uh, have had just an an easier life, maybe, or they're in more supportive uh, relationships. But can anybody become more resilient? Yes, obviously. We've seen it. We've seen it in our own lives. If we've lived more than almost five minutes, we know <laughs> that we can become more resilient. Um, look at a baby. Look at a, look at a toddler who's trying to learn how to toddle, right? They fall down, they get back up. They fall down, they get back up. They really, there's a, there's a process of building their own resilience and their own tolerance of falling down. It's a process, it develops over time. Every act of unconditional acceptance builds resilience in the receiver. So if, I, if someone comes to me and they are telling me something and I just accept that as their reality, as what they're, and, and I, I am unconditionally accepting, I will build resilience in them And that happens for me as well. Creative work builds resilient people. Sewing, beauty, art, singing, education, growing in Christ, all of these things build more resilient people. And here are some characteristics of resilience. There's a strong sense of self, a sense of meaningfulness, the ability to view change or stress as a challenge, as something to grow from. Um, Engaging the support of others. Who can you get to help you? Secure attachment to others. Do you have friends? Do you have personal or collective goals? Do you have a sense of humor? Um, What about strong self-esteem? The ability to perceive the strengthening effect of stress. I just said that. Um, (laughs) The ability to adapt to change. Patience, optimism, and faith. Okay, so that's resilience. What about compassion? Compassion is uh, different than empathy or sympathy, and I'm not going to tell you how because we just don't have time. But um, compassion lovingly moves us toward those who suffer. It allows each person to retain her own sense of self and her dignity while remaining truly present to the other in his pain. It's experienced as unconditional acceptance, even when we're at our worst. Compassion lovingly moves us toward those who suffer. Jesus is our model of compassion. Jesus showcased compassion as he went through towns and villages, teaching, healing diseases, and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. He saw the crowds and he saw that they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And he was moved with compassion. That's in Matthew. And out of that compassion comes the call to his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest for workers to go out into the harvest field. The ministry of the kingdom of God is a ministry of compassion. Now in this beautiful quote um, here about compassion, when Jesus was moved to compassion, the source of all life trembled. The ground of all love burst open, and the abyss of God's immense, inexhaustible, and unfathomable tenderness revealed itself. This kind of compassion extends healing in Jesus' name to the nations. Okay, so what do we do when we put these two together? Compassionate resilience. Well, it strengthens us. Okay, so um, it, compassionate resilience allows us to live abundant, faithful lives with broken hearts, bringing the transformational power of the gospel into our broken world. Here are three images of compassionate resilience which refl- reflect our Creator, our beloved Jesus, Holy Spirit the presence, the strength, and the promise. You see the the uh the skydiver with his spotter or I don't even know what it's called the guy that helps him. <laughs> um, this is Jesus present with us. Holy Spirit Spirit um, comforting us and maybe convicting us that this was really not such a great idea. but um, anyway, the presence of God um, is in compassionate resilience, strength. Okay, so I did I'm, I stole that. Uh, picture. You can see that clearly. Um, that's rebar, short for reinforcing bar. It's a steel bar or a mesh of steel wires used as a tension device in reinforced concrete and reinforced masonry st- structures to strengthen and aid the concrete under tension. What does rebar do? What does Holy Spirit and Jesus and, and Father do in our lives? Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. The Lord is the strength of my life and my portion forever. I abide in him, and he abides in me. And then promise. The sunflower blooming in the desert, um, the whole chapter of Isaiah 35 with this verse uh, as an example, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Compassionate resilience strengthens us. Stress occurs in our lives because we've, we lack sufficient resources. We feel we lack sufficient resources to meet our needs. Compassionate resilience helps us manage stress by connecting us to resources in ourselves, in our communities, and in our relationship with God. Compassionate resilience can be a daily practice which over time can help us to lift up our feeble arms Strengthen our weak knees and be healed. So, around your tables, let's just have a quick five minute table talk, maybe even less, Um, and uh, talk about these questions Do I believe that God cares for me? Do I feel safe, connected, calm, and hopeful? Those are markers of being resilient in a resilient space. Um, Can I find ways to help myself and others? Um, And what is strengthening me right now? Choose one. You do not have to go through them all. Just choose one and and talk about it for a few minutes. And, um, yeah, have fun with it. I know you haven't possibly even gotten through probably two people, and I apologize for that. But we'll come back to this one day. (laughs) Okay. All right, um, so our capacity for compassionate resilience. uh, I'm ready for, I think, the next slide. Yeah, there we go. Our capacity for compassionate resilience is one of the miraculous gifts of God to his beloved humanity. Isn't that beautiful, what God has given us and how he has created us for compassionate resilience? Resilience. We can grow in this gift, but we might need a little help from our friends. Are they darling? Um, one of my favorite things is to introduce one of my friends to another one of my friends. So, the rest of uh, the night, I am going to be introducing you to three of my favorite friends laughter, tears, silence. I think you might already know them, actually. Um, Each friend is so simple and so profound. Just is so much of the work of God. It's a natural and God-given way to acknowledge pain and build compassionate resilience. I hope that even with the limited time we have tonight, you not only learn something new about these three friends, but that you will experience some of the perspective of laughter, the healing gift of tears, and the restoration that silence can bring. Here we go. Okay, here we are. The perspective of laughter. Laughter helps to reconnect us to our humanity and to God by giving us a new perspective. Give yourself time to notice the joy in this painting. How do you feel as you look at it? A joyful heart is good medicine. How do we gain a joyful heart and share that joy with a broken world? Through practicing with our friend laughter. Laughter can help us change our perspective and gain a joyful heart. Our friend laughter celebrates like Jesus at the wedding of Cana, honoring his mother and surprising his host. Laughter appears as Jesus delights in the children following him and says to them, Come to me. I want to be with you. She mirrors the God of creation who looks around at all he has made and says, It is very good. Laughter is what Sarah and Abraham felt when they they heard they were going to have a baby in their very old age. And Sarah, laughing, exclaims, How is this possible? Laughter expresses our sense of awe and wonder and surprise. Our friend laughter never mocks, never shames, never makes people feel small. She dances with the creation spirit of God, which shouts and whispers and moves over the waters, telling us there is new life here, and it is full of joy. Laughter shifts our world bringing with it a surprise which reconnects us to our own humanity. Laughter can bring that same kind of shift for our spirit, and we can reconnect with our God. Who or what makes you laugh? Who needs to laugh? Laughter and her best friends, joy and awe, invite each of us into a safe place of healing where the burdens of our daily lives and the trials of this broken world can be eased. Okay, I don't know if you can see this very well. I really hope you can. How many of you have either said that about yourself? I don't work, I just stay home. Or have had someone say that about you? Just, yeah, okay. So I just love this picture. <laughs> Because it shows just how much we don't work, right? Okay, irony. All right. Um, oh, my goodness. So um, when, I, when my kids were, I have five adult children, um, and when they were uh, in late elementary school, uh, we were living in France. Um, I was in a very difficult marriage. He was gone most of the time. I was raising these kids in a foreign country. Um, and uh, things were stressful. It was hard. And there wasn't a lot of laughing happening in our house. And uh, I, got, I had a phone call with a friend of mine from high school who <laughs> told me about their family who had tied baggies on their feet, and they were doing races around the kitchen counter, right? And I thought, oh no, I am completely missing the boat here. What has happened to my life and my kid's life? So there are... um, Things changed after that, I'm happy to say. I didn't ever really quite get the baggies to work, but I did try. Um, so 11 and a half serious reasons for good humor. Humor evangelizes. It's a tool for humility. It can help us recognize reality. It speaks truth to power. It shows courage, deepens our relationship to God. It welcomes. It's healing. It fosters good human relations. It looks backwards and forwards in time. It opens our minds. It's fun. And it's often practical. That list was from uh, Father Martin. So, not me, but it's a good one. Okay, laughter changes our perspective. Laughter changes our perspective. To all who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. Despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Laughter changes our perspective. We're going to skip the table talk, but we'll go ahead and look at the slide. Uh, What do you think about this? And uh, here are some questions. Um, Can you allow yourself to think of God as playful? Can you imagine God delighting in you? Can you imagine welcoming your friends and your family in this way? Okay. So now we're going to move on to tears. We'll do this in. The healing gift of tears. Actually, we'll turn them. Um, When Jesus, uh, who was Lazarus, Lazarus was one of his good friends, and this is when Jesus is coming finally in their perspective to see him. And when Jesus saw her weeping and those who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they said. And Jesus wept. Sometimes the only response to the experiences we have in this life is to weep. And what gifts are tears in those moments? Our friend tears reminds us that we are beautifully designed for healing. I'm going to say that phrase a few times, so don't worry. It's intentional tears are a gift of holy spirit our comforter our healer tears are a gift of our physical bodies where they cleanse and clear our hearts our minds our spirits tears are a gift of and to ourselves tears tell us some important truths tears bring healing and space for breath Tears acknowledge pain and show us a way through it. Tears remind us that we are beautifully designed for healing. This will be an area of learning for many of us. Some cultures and family systems may misunderstand tears and may feel or teach shame when tears are shed. So we have to tread lightly here. Tears are profoundly personal and a private individual or community could feel agonizing discomfort and embarrassment as tears emerge. It's not necessary to cry in public or to have a loud and emotional event. And it's not shameful to do so either. And the gift of tears repeated. Tears are a gift of the Holy, of Holy Spirit, our comforter, our healer. Tears are a gift of our physical bodies, where they cleanse and clear our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Tears are a gift to ourselves and to those around us. Tears tell us some important truths. Tears bring healing and space for breath. Tears acknowledge pain and show us a way through it. Tears remind us that we are beautifully designed. For healing. We are designed deep down in our genetic structure to heal naturally from emotional injury, including trauma. Amidst all of the focus on modern invention and discovery, we are missing the oldest and, for most people, the most powerful route to emotional wellness deep crying. So, lament. Let's talk about how do we do this. How do we understand, begin to understand the gift of our frontiers? We can learn to lament. It's a very churchy word. Very, uh, a lot of you probably are very familiar with the idea of lament. But some of you may have never heard it before. Lament means to mourn for or over. We can learn to lament our own losses and the losses in our communities The way of lament is given to us in over 50 of our psalms in the book of Lamentations and in the example of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus and on the cross at Golgotha. The prophets lament, God laments, the men and women through the pages of scripture lament. Lament is a human experience and a divine one. Yet we may struggle to allow ourselves to fully enter the place where our disappointment, rage, fear, and sorrow live. If only we could trust this truth. God unconditionally accepts our expressions of loss. Lament can become a place of deep connection with God. We can offer this tool to the people in our lives who are mourning. Lament is given to us by our loving God teaching us how to navigate pain and suffering and how to emerge with our faith intact. So this is one model of lament. There's so many ways to do this, but here's one idea. This is the general thing. So lament is held, again, under God's unconditional acceptance. Now, what does that say to you? When we lament and God unconditionally accept us, what does that build in us? Resilience, yes, it builds resilience in us. Um, So we have a life event, and then we have a choice. Are we going to come to God with it or not? We may go around on that one a while. Then we have, so we come to God, and we have thoughts, and we have questions, and we have emotions, and we have all the things, right? And, um, And then we cry out to God, God, help me. I need you. And then we have a choice. Do we turn towards God or not? And, when, and in that turning, part of the process is that we somehow remember God's character. Something about who God is that kind of reminds us that it's, okay, God has this. Um, so we remember God's character. And the ultimate end of lament is resting in God's, excuse me, in God's peace. So, lament. Lament is held in and under the gift of God's unconditional acceptance of our expressions of loss. We're going to do something now. It's a community uh, uh, activity. Where are we? we? Okay. Um, You are free to participate or not as you wish. Um, but I offer it to you as something that um, might, be, um, might be useful, might, might help put something from last year uh, to bed and leave space for something new in 2023. Uh, so take a few minutes of just silent reflection. What has saddened or hurt you this year? What have you lost as individuals or as a community? And when you're ready, come up and write your loss on one of the whiteboards. I think we've got pens and stuff, yeah. Um, and, uh, and after a few minutes, when, when, when we're done, uh, we will read them. Uh, and I'll get somebody to help me. We'll go back and forth between them. Um, and we will, um, we will offer them as a sacrifice to the Lord. Okay? So... Questions are, what has saddened or hurt you this year? What have you lost as individuals or a community? So um, Lydia, if you want to, we'll just go back and forth and read, uh, read them. And in between, so we'll read one, and then together we will just say, How long, O oh Lord? And then we'll read the next one, Okay. All right. You want to start? Hostile takeover of peaceful people or nation. How long, O oh Lord? Trying the health of a sister and a daughter. How long, O oh Lord? Identity and career purpose. How long, O oh Lord? Loss of my dad. How long, O Lord? Both kids identify as the gender they were not born with. How long, O Lord? The sons walk with God. How long, O Lord? Mobility, ability to walk short and long distances due to foot pain. How long, O Lord? The loss of spontaneity in life. How long, O oh Lord? Dad died of cancer. How long, O oh Lord? Friendships. How long, O oh Lord? Family relationships. How long, O oh Lord? Relationship with parents. How long, O oh Lord? Let's pray. Father, we lift these sorrows to your throne of grace, knowing that you see the whole picture. You see every tear. You hear every whispered prayer. You know the longing of our hearts. How long, O Lord, will you wait? Thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you with our questions, with our fear, with our sorrow. And you welcome us. And you accept us. And you tell us you are here with us and you will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. let's go to the restoration of silence jesus said to them come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest we've all experienced silence in our in our lives either in us or in the world around us for some of us silence might be uncomfortable We may not know how to be in silence, either with ourselves or with other people. Our friend's silence can help us hear God's voice in a busy and traumatic world. Jesus, when he calls us to come away with him and rest a while, teaches us to become comfortable with silence. Our friend, Silence, teaches us about hearing from God, listening to God, waiting on God, and trusting God in the middle of the darkness. Silence can lead us into opportunities to share the gospel. Compassionate silence can, le- uh, can function in many ways to communicate presence, consolation, and companionship. A willingness to be present, even when we have no words to offer, can represent Jesus also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus came to be present with us in all of our sorrow, all of our shame, and all of our fear. Our friend's silence build, brings freedom and builds compassionate resilience in us. Throughout the Bible, we hear the call to silence. I think we got the next slide here. Um, be still. And know that I am God. It seems that the holiness of God requires us to be still in order to know him. Sometimes silence comes because we're overwhelmed with awe at the holiness of God. Sometimes silence can be the best response to the depth of suffering and the pain of tragedy to which we bear witness almost every day. Sometimes in this life there are just no words to speak. Sometimes it's enough to just be. In the same way that Jesus came to be with us in our suffering, we can learn to be present with others and ourselves in the same compassionate way. Perhaps the restoration we find in silence comes about because of the way active, intentional, listening silence restores our connection to the great I am. The power of silence is the power to slow things down, to give us a chance to reflect on what's happening, to listen to the collective wisdom and be present. And there was silence in heaven for half an hour after the breaking of the seventh seal. Next slide, please. Silence helps us to hear our own soul, the thoughts and emotions that are inside of us. It also helps us to hear what our spirit is saying and what God's spirit wants to say to us. Take a few moments, just on your own, and listen to your soul. What are you asking God to restore or heal? I have a couple of prayers and blessings for 2023 as we end let's pray. Watch, O Lord, with those who wake or watch or weep tonight, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend your sick ones, O Lord Jesus Christ. Rest your weary ones, bless your dying ones, soothe your suffering ones, pity your afflicted ones, shield your joyous ones, and all for your love's sake. And Isaiah 55:12 and 13. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and his love. And the final slide um, before the outtakes, which will wait to the very end. Um, As we enter 2023, I invite you to take advantage of our support community here at um, Salem Alliance. Build time into your schedule to offer supportive listening to one another. Lean into Jesus as the ultimate source of compassionate resilience, and give yourself permission to deepen your spiritual life by enjoying the perspective of our friend laughter, accepting the healing gifts of our friend tears, and resting in the restoration of our friend silence. Go in peace.